What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we're bringing on Lance Pitlick. Uh, Lance runs OnlineHockeyTraining.com. Also had a successful playing career himself in the NHL and played for the Gophers. Uh, and both of his sons have gone on to some nice careers and are continuing to have some right now. Uh, it's got to be nice having at least one boy back in back in his home state. Yeah, no, actually, both of them are here. Uh, my youngest plays for the University of Minnesota. He's a freshman uh playing there and my oldest uh plays for the minnesota wild then i got a nephew that plays in calgary for uh the flames and i also have a niece that plays locally here a uh, division one at saint uh, thomas university so we got a few pit looks out into into the old hockey world recently so it's been fun a lot of a lot of time still watching hockey yeah it's awesome to have family close has to be Absolutely amazing. So uh, I'm curious, talking about family, you know, what what do you think it is about maybe Minnesota or the Pitlick family that, that grows professional hockey players, it seems like, on trees? Well, I wouldn't say that they're on trees, but we've had, uh, you know, my older brother and I, our, our kids have, have uh, you know, a, they, they gravitated toward the sport. And in Minnesota, much like Canada, if, if you don't, play hockey you're you're the weirdo you know because everyone plays hockey in canada and minnesota so uh you know i think that that helped but because i i had played at a pretty high level obviously that i i and you see a lot of former nhl players kind of you know a little before me a little after me that their kids now are playing in the nhl um you know kachuk's Domies, you know, the, the list goes, it's a pretty big list. So I, I think we know what it takes to, um, you know, kind of travel that path. And I think we can get the kids in front of the right people earlier if that path is there uh, or that passion is there. Because uh, if it's not there, then it's not going to work. And then it's about um, really just all of the things that they do in addition to their team practices and games, that's what's going to propel them uh, to those higher levels. Um, yeah. So it, it's a journey, but you know, there's an enormous amount of work and the only people that can put that in is the athletes or the, the person chasing whatever it is they're chasing, you know, they can get all the information, but if you don't have action and, you know, a pretty, a pretty consistent, strict routine, you know, they're not going to get there. So you mentioned knowing what it takes, and I feel like everyone kind of has an idea of what it takes, but I'm assuming you have the true behind the curtain. What does it truly take? Maybe you can illuminate uh, for our audience here, you know, what does that truly mean or what are some serious key elements that people maybe aren't thinking about or wouldn't understand or do need to understand if you want to chase this dream? Yeah, well, you know, I, I doubt many of your uh, subscribers or listeners know that I didn't play my first NHL game until I was 27 years old. So I was uh, I was a late one, you know, and that doesn't happen very often. You're once you're labeled a career minor leaguer, it's hard to get that break. So uh, I I think that that helped me in kind of keeping the faith and being able to pass on that message, not only to my kids, but 
to the the players that I've coached and, and trained over the years. Um, so yeah, you know, and I the University of Minnesota they were the only school that offered me uh, a scholarship. I never went on a recruiting visit anywhere else. No one, I never had another conversation with another school. They offered me a half a scholarship uh, and I said uh, to play hockey and go to school right down the street. All right, I'll, I'll do that. So I just, I don't know if I wasn't very smart or just was really, really passionate. I think a little combination of both and um, you know, that, that kind of you know, those experiences that you go through, those 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 tough ones where you have to have full commitment for a long, long period of time. Uh, it's easy to to you know tell that message to others that you know have that that same goal you know set on their horizon. Yeah, and I think. What you mentioned was there's there's going to be bumps in the road. That that's almost a guarantee, uh, unless your your name's Connor McDavid. And even then, you know, broken wrist and some different things. Everyone has their own bumps. Uh, but for for us mere mortals and the majority of us hockey players out there, really scratching and clawing to stay in the game and play at the highest level possible, there's going to be a lot of setbacks. Do you have any examples that stick out in your mind of something that you push through? Uh, maybe you've got one where maybe you didn't handle it the right way. And then you've got another one where you handled it the, the right way. It really helped you push forward. Well, another thing most people don't know is that I was probably a healthy scratch or injured uh, the same amount of games that I played. So that, that takes me over 1200 games, you know, being around. So I can tell you pretty much uh, what rank has the best chicken fingers and, uh, chocolate chip cookies in the AHL. Cause I spent a lot of time, uh, out there, but, uh, you know, I, I've had eight surgeries, um, and a lot, a lot of, you know, little injuries that, that kept me out, uh, you know, groin pulls, hamstring pulls, uh, things where you'd have to get, it'd be so flared up. You'd have to get, uh, it injected to calm it down because nothing else else is working. Um, and then the rehab, uh, you know, that that's the toughest part when you get later in your career. Because uh, when I was playing in Ottawa, I ended up having to have hip surgery. And, you know, it's tough to climb that ladder, you know, when you get knocked down after an injury to keep climbing back up. Um, probably the, the toughest one to answer your question is uh, in 92, I was on the, the Olympic team tour with Team USA. And that, that's when uh, the year Eric Lindros, his first year uh, on that tour. And him and I just had battles. But anyways, I don't know if I would have made the final team. But a month before the Olympics, it was right around, it was right after Christmas. It was, you know, we're getting pretty close where I broke my leg in practice and uh, I couldn't go to the Olympics. That's when I was playing in Hershey. They weren't using NHL guys. They were using AHL or college guys. And um, so that was a big disappointment. Uh, so I went home and, you know, rehabbed that, went back to Hershey. My first game back, I, I did like fall down and my knees went out beside me and I just shredded my groins, like the first game. So I'm back on the shelf again. And so... You know, there's this, it's part of the, you, you, you're going to score, you're going to miss. Uh, and we just keep on shooting, fall down. We keep getting up and until your body or your desire uh, says that's it. So uh, I was just so grateful for the, the career that I had and uh, the, the people that I was able to, to meet along the way to play with and, to be amazed at the ones that I played against. So uh, it, it's, it's great how fun the sport is. And you know, I love that we live in Minnesota, love that the NHL is here and, you know, we're right next to Canada. <laughs> Seems cold. Well, where are you, where are you located? Uh, Columbus, Ohio. Oh yeah. You're a little South. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, for some reason I think you're Canadian. Maybe this cause you know, you guys got really good content. <laughs> 
Maybe I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. I mean, the Canadians do yeah. a nice job here, but uh, you know, I, I do some stuff with USA hockey, so I'm not sure that they'd be happy to hear that. <laughs> all right. You can just uh, edit that out of the old podcast. Uh, no, it's all good. We, we leave all the good stuff in. doesn't matter what it is, but uh, I want to dive into maybe some technicals because obviously you're focusing right now on, on training hockey players. Um, and I, I think if I remember correctly, stick handling is one of your expertise. That's my area of focus is uh, stick skill development, stick handling, passing, shooting. And all of my work is done off the ice uh, in your garage, basement, or backyard. Uh, I have a, I have, I don't know if anyone has a bigger database, but I, I have a database of off ice drills uh, that just exceeds 1200 now. And they're organized into individual progressive practice plans or training modules that players can access. They watch a short video where I'll give them uh, an explanation with a demonstration. They go try it for a few minutes, come back, get the next drill, and then move on. So that, that's what I've developed. But uh, my, my primary business where I'm in front of kids is I, I do private uh, one or two players at a time lessons off ice stick skills lessons at my house. Um, so they'll come over. We'll, uh, I'll give them a workout for an hour with, you know, basically working the program, uh, testing, maybe some new drills that I'm, uh, experimenting with. And then, uh, we, you know, if there's something that they want to work on in preparation for their, their next game, we'll spend a few minutes on that. So, uh, hockey is a huge part of my life, uh, still to this day, but what's awesome is that, uh, all, I actually train more, uh, female players than I do male now. And it's been like that for about three, four years, but almost all the players that I train, I never have seen them skate like for years, but because they just come over and wear tennis shoes. And unless they're on TV or something, I never see them play, uh, but I can tell that they're good by what they can do uh, in my little world. So, uh, and, you know, I, I've, I've gained a knowledge that I don't think many people have, and that's to take pretty much any age player. I mean, I can get a, I don't train anyone under, you know, six is about the youngest I'll go. Uh, and they have to be, you know, the mom and dad have to convince me that, you know, he's got the attention span uh, but all the way up to players that are playing in the NHL, but, and I can challenge the, the really gifted, you know, the ones that have put a lot of work in, and then I can take this kid that hasn't really held the stick much and move him from A to B pretty quickly. Uh, and if they buy into starting to do a little more organized training at home, following my online program, uh, the progress is, is pretty remarkable. So what are some of the keys to great stick handlers? Like what on a technical base do great stick handlers do that separate themselves from the average or maybe someone who's beginning, how can they elevate themselves? What kind of techniques um, are they having, you know, stiff upper hands where they're really hard on the stick with a soft lower hand? Are they rolling the puck out the back? What, what does that look like? Uh, you know, for me, when I get a player over for the first time, there's up to nine corrections that I make in hand positioning, uh, the movement of each hand, and then where they dribble on the stick blade. Um, so that can tell me a lot. And one of the biggest ones, and this is when they're dribbling in front of the body. That's it. Okay. I, I can tell all of the things from that. So the, the biggest key is where their top hand is positioned in relationship to their body because uh, I get a lot that come over. Uh, the correction is called top hand hip lock, where their top hand is outside of their hip, outside of the body, outside of the hip. And I that's an adjustment that I make. So I push their top hand. So if they're a left-hander, I'll push their top hand so it's out in front of their uh, left hip flexor, let's say. And there will be... Uh, room for you to fan your other hand in between your top hand and your body. So there's a little bit of a gap. 
is I got to get them used to that top hand moving side to side, not the stick blade going side to side because, you know, the chop chop uh, because that top hand's outside the body. And then once we get that, and for, for a lot of players, if I have to make that adjustment, the, the ball or puck seems like it's a mile away from them now. It's so far out away from their body. Uh, the other one would be what's going on with their bottom hand. Uh, that should be a loose grip when we're dribbling. Um, and it'll be sliding up and down the shaft based on it's where it's in relationship to our body. And then the other is where they're dribbling on the stick blade. I'll have a lot of players dribble on the, in the middle of the blade or towards the toe. Uh, I tell players to think of the stick blade as a bike. The toe of the blade is the, the front wheel. The heel is the, the back wheel. The toe of the blade when dribbling should, or the, the bike should be popping a wheelie. So the toe should be up in the air and the, the heel should be tapping into the ground. And that's where we have the most control coming up the ice is, you know, towards the heel of the blade. Um, so there, there's a lot more things when it comes to shooting. Uh, I guess there's not one thing that, you know, I can do that will change everything. But in most cases, you ask, how do these really good players get really good? They have a stick in their hand way more than the average, like way more. And uh, a puck on their, on their stick. And a lot of times, uh, many of those hours are not on a rink on skates. It's in an off-ice environment. Because the hockey gods can't tell if you take 100 shots on the ice or 100 off the ice. They just count as a rep. And what most people don't understand is that in order to go from average to above average, just to get to that first shelf, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you, it's re you require a ton of misses. Like you are going to miss way more than you make for a long time, months. And then all of a sudden there's going to be a shift. So ask me the question, Greg, how do you know this, Lance? How do you know this, Lance? So in my quest of, uh, you know, trying to develop content and a, and a program, um, I wanted to get into a, a young player, player's head, like at the beginning, like what did it feel like when you first started playing hockey and you had a stick in your hand and you're trying to skate and handle a puck? Uh, so I'm like, well, why don't I teach myself opposite hand? I mean, I wasn't very skilled as a regular hand guy, but let's try opposite hand. So, you know, it's, you can't, I don't, do you, do you know if you can play opposite hand, play the piano opposite hand? Could you do that? I don't think you can. But I, I don't know piano at all, so I, you're, you're going to have to fill me in on this <laughs> one. But I, I've, I've experimented with uh, stick handling and shooting opposite hand uh, a few times myself, um, and it definitely helps when you go back to your correct handedness just because you're literally breaking down everything. And especially with the top hand, you really get it away from your body. Yeah, it, it, it shows you a lot. Uh, so I, I, I was... I'm say I just said I'm gonna do it and let's for a while and see what happens. So I budgeted uh, three to four hours a week just to go down in my space and work my program opposite hand. And I did that in the first couple of weeks. It, you know, it was clumsy, it was slow, uh, didn't feel good because I don't like doing things that I'm not very good at. Um, but I kept going. And what was interesting was that halfway through the third month is when the big shift happened. And I was like, holy cow, coach has got some opposite hand mojo now. Um, so I know if a kid just commits around three months, couple hours a week uh, consistently, that if they can make it to that third month, that they're gonna get to a different level. And when you get up there, you see things differently than you did before, you know, because now you know how to get better by putting in a little extra effort. And this is just in my sector. You know, you can get really good with a stick and a puck at home. And, you know, complimenting going on the ice, you still got to do the technical skating. You know, when you get to uh, uh, the certain age where strength and conditioning uh, comes into play, you got that, you got your hockey IQ people. Uh, 
nutrition has to be, you know, something that you pay attention to. So you need an army of people to, to get you along this journey. And it's all about getting in front of the right people uh, by the time you get to the, the place you want to be. Yeah. And talking about getting in front of the right people, you talked about your sons, making sure that they're in front of the right people as they're going through the ranks. I'm curious, one, what the right people are. Obviously, some of that's going to be what you just talked on, but also maybe like the timeline. When do we need to start having these things in place? When do we need to start talking about these things with our players? And what time uh, do they maybe miss the boat if they haven't hit it by then? You know what? I think that parents very quickly know if they have one that's got the bug, got has got the hockey bug because it'll be a constant bugging. Like, mom, mom, you, you know, I want to do this. Bring me over here. I want to do that. Um, I think where the, the problem is is when where the parent wants it a little more than the kid. And then, you know, you, you start forcing things on. But, you know, for me, like I said, I, I get some kids that c- come here as young as six years old and they're super passionate about it. And uh, I can't tell that they're that young because you know of how good they are um but i think that every person every coach that's out there should should know where their ceiling is uh i know where my ceiling is and i i found out that because uh my my boys have been working with adam oates (laughs) and for a few years and I went down and, and watched him training the, the group and went out to lunch and uh, he, I knew where my ceiling was with that, with that guy. But with that being said, I can't do what he does. Don't want to do it. I can't do it cause I didn't experience it, but um, he needs guys like me and gals that can get a player to a certain level where they can accept what, the Belfries and the Oateses are, are, you know, teaching these players because if you don't have confidence, you know, the, the confidence with the puck where you can uh, maneuver around the ice with your eyes up more than they are down, you know, working with Belfry or any of those guys isn't really going to help. You know, you have to get that. It has to be such an extension uh, of your hands. I, I think Oates, said it uh i think that's where the first time i said it but he said the the hockey stick and the puck are as important to a hockey player as the cane is to uh someone who has lost their vision how they navigate around you know uh we we're lucky we get the eyes and we should use them once in a while but we should think like a blind person and start feeling and hearing uh those beacons that are out there, but we just don't notice them because not many people have taught us to how to do that. So what are some of those beacons? What are some of those cues and things that players should be attuning themselves towards? So what I have players do is I'll have them dribble, you know, either on in the forehand side or in front, wherever, and then I'll have them close their eyes and then I'll, ask them to listen. And I'll, I'll, I usually, I don't do any lessons without tunes on, but most of the time I'll turn the tunes down or off completely so they can hear it. And then I'll have them dribble, you know, try to move the puck more towards the toe uh, as they're doing this. And their eyes are still closed. And then see if they can tell the difference between what it feels like at the toe towards the heel. Because anytime a ball or puck hits your stick blade, it sends a vibration up the shaft of the stick to your hands to tell you where it is on the blade. The vibration's weaker towards the toe, stronger towards the heel. So that vibration, you know, that beacon is, is stronger, a stronger signal when we're from the mid to heel opposed to mid to toe. That's, that's really cool. And you mentioned Adam Oates and, and he's working with some of the best players in the world. Uh, you'll have to get, get him on the podcast here at some point, but uh, before that, have you, had him? To... have you had him as a guest? No, I'd love to have him on as the guest though. I think he'd be a wonderful person to have on and talk about all this kind of stuff. Cause he was a, a truly cerebral player who was an unbelievable playmaker. 
And I think he thinks about the game differently than most, which I think is, is absolutely fascinating. I'm wondering what your experiences have been from him or things you've learned from him. You know, very little. Uh, my kids are at the age where they're, they're on their own journey. And as much as I'd like to really dive into um, everything that, that he's doing and what he's teaching all these uh, players, uh, I've been focusing on, on my stuff. And it, it's been a huge learning curve for me just to stay on top of, you know, what I've been doing. But uh, eventually, I am going to get to it because I'm starting to chip away at things where once I do, I'll gain a little more time back. Uh, but I will say this, he is one of the greatest hockey minds I have ever spoke to. Um, he's an amazing person. Um, I think everyone in the world should meet him once because he's as unique as they come. <laughs> But man, did I learn a lot and, uh, you know, was inspired to be uh, just a little bit better. Yeah, sh shed some light on to what you've learned. I I'm curious. And I feel like everyone else is going to be asking the same question as they're listening to this episode. I don't know if I know. <laughs> I, I asked him if I, I, the one time uh, I, before I left him, I said, Adam, I'm um i'm in front of kids every week i mean boys girls really good just at the beginning of the journey i said if there's one thing i could tell them from adam oates what would it be he said you can't do enough work on the backhand so i you know and it's it's interesting that he said that because that's what i've been preaching for years uh, since I've been doing this, that if you care about your forehand more than your backhand or an equally amount, you know, you're going to be completely different because, uh, most players, they, they, for some reason don't practice on it enough. And there's still coaches today that are instructing players to keep the puck off the backhand in games. But during practices, they do absolutely nothing to develop that backhand. Like, let's have a practice where every drill, you can only make passes on the backhand. Is that going to hurt anyone? <laughs> so I'm pretty passionate about the backhand, that uh, same thing. Uh, I want players to become mega learners and to care about their backhand way more than they do now. So there's your Adam Oates little tidbit. So obviously you're passionate about the backhand. I I'm curious as to why you're so passionate about it. Obviously you can open your range and have more options, but are there benefits beyond just that? I guess if you want to be average, then yeah, don't worry about it. Just do whatever comes natural. But if you want to have a chance to, you know, to play on the top teams in your area to go on to play in the USHL or the North American league uh, to play college hockey, you have to have a really good backhand uh, because that's a puzzle piece that's on the table. And guess what? There are a lot of people all over, a lot of players all over the world that you're going to be competing against that have a wicked backhand. So it's your choice. You want to try to compete with the top players. What are they doing? If you don't, then you know what you're going to get. Probably average. So when you're developing your backhand over forehand, is, is it just repetition of doing passes and shots? Or, or is there a specific way, especially with that, that large library you have, that you like to attack working on a backhand or building up someone's backhand? Because obviously it's it's a key piece. Um, I mean, Crosby's got almost a straight stick because he values it so much. Uh, and I believe Oates is very similar as well. You know, what are the key pieces into this? Well, you know, that you're, you know, people think it's just the shooting. I mean, it's the passing. I mean, it's keeping the puck in your possession. And a lot of times it requires a backhand pass. And if you can't, you turn it over, you're playing on defense. So that's huge. Uh, you know, in tight, there's the technique is pretty, pretty similar as far as what happens. And once you get it, um, you know, it's just 
trying to perfect it and but whatever the drill is if i'm doing something if i'm 15 feet out and i'm taking forehand shots i'm going to do the same thing on the backhand the same amount of reps so that's how my program works whatever we do on the forehand there's going to be a backhand equivalent uh and then also i've i've added uh once they get into the main part of the program an opposite hand drill or two so you know they're 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 getting those new brain connections being made on the opposite side of the brain uh and like you said there's nothing better than when you go from opposite hand back to regular hand and what's interesting is there when i was filming the program um there would be times where i'd get stuck and i couldn't you know there's some drills where i have i gotta shoot four or six pucks in a row in succession and i don't like to miss so i'll sit there and go until i'll get six in a row or whatever it is and i'll get stuck and if that happens uh i'll rest for a minute and then i'll do the drill you know a couple minutes opposite hand and then go back to regular hand and every single time i get it so that's a teaching thing that i do with players that if they get stuck on something you know they're getting frustrated all right let's do it opposite hand a little bit here and and then we go back and then things smooth out or they usually get it. So um, there's another little uh, golden nugget for people to try. That, that's what we're looking for. A lot of good nuggets here and as small of time as possible, right? Va we're, we're value guys. So uh, I actually hope a few of my uh, ex players are listening to this because they always thought I was crazy whenever we would stick handle opposite handedness uh, toward, towards the end of our stick handling progressions. And then I'd finally have them go back they're like, oh, this is great. But like, if you do it enough, like they just don't see it. And it's, it's amazing how fast it occurs, even if they suck at their opposite handedness, how much it improves their normal handedness. And they always yeah, thought it was so, crazy, but you, you've experienced the exact same thing of how powerful that little trick is. Yeah. We're, we're, we're weirdos, you and I. So that's good. It's interesting when I started doing it, maybe like in the summer, that's where I'm, really busy because all my college players are, you know, my, the ones that I've been working with a long time. Um, so one summer I, I introduced it, like every lesson, we're going to do an opposite hand drill. And especially my boys are like, no effing way, this is stupid. And, uh, but was, what was interesting is by the end of the summer, that was part of the, one of the parts of the lesson that they really looked forward to doing because you know, the, the improvement was so, so huge from the beginning. Uh, so, and, you know, there, there's a time in everyone's life where, you know, I, I hope where we start to understand the benefits of self-improvement, self-improving, uh, you know, not only physically, but, uh, you know, reading, uh, listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Um, so that's that's what i want the people that i get in front of to you know really aspire to just learn more um it's it's cool to accomplish things i mean i'm i'm 54 years old and uh i can do some pretty cool stuff with the stick now that i just learned you know in the last two months so don't give up uh give up on uh, learning new things because it's uh it's what keeps us young Absolutely. For forever uh, learning. And, you know, I think that every single coach uh, is better the two years after they stop playing and they start coaching from all that study, all the new things they're trying to teach. And if we can get our players to maybe try to teach at a young age or be on that learning curve earlier, figure out how to become their own best coach, it, it's super powerful. And to, to your point about rewiring your brain, um, try, try, brushing your teeth with your opposite hand. Like that's just a great little place to go in and see how awkward it is, but then how easy it is. So I, I think this, this is, this could go a very curious way. I'd love to get a psychologist on sometime to talk further about that. Um, but I, I'd like to continue. Hold it, hold it. Let me just, I got something I want to say to you. Uh, first on the, the brush and the teeth, I've been a, a both hander for probably five years now. I, I made that switch a long time ago, but thank you. 
Um, and it's cool because I, you know, if I get my one hand, if you got a little injury or something, you're, you're still good. Um, so there's a guy in Minnesota, uh, he were, he writes for the let's play hockey paper. Um, his name's Jack Blathwick. He was, uh, our strength and conditioning coach when I was at the university of Minnesota, uh, brilliant man, never was married, uh, just help just a servant to just helps players um and i ran into him and asked him about you know what what are the benefits of opposite hand he's got like i don't know 10 eight phds i mean just brilliant man uh you know what are the benefits of it and he said it's interesting to say this this is a few years ago he says there's a number of studies going on around the world and he actually tutored me uh at the university of minnesota because i for college algebra because I just told you, I told you that military time doesn't make sense to me. I still don't know how to read a tape measure and college algebra didn't make any sense to me. So he tutored me and he's just like, you know, Lance, you got three girls over here and there's 16 beers here. And, you know, he's making all these to try to make it so I could understand. So I'm asking about this opposite hand and he remembers and he goes, all I know, Lance, is that, um, if you're a right-hander, there's going to be one side of your brain that is going to be populated with all your hockey stuff. And he said, if you start learning stuff opposite hand, then the other side of the brain is going to start having uh, some population going on. And then those two are going to intermingle. And I don't see how that can be bad for any anyone. So uh, nugget awesome. number three. Is that nugget number three I get, just gave you? <laughs> I, I, I think we're way beyond that. And I think you need to stop, <laughs> stop counting and just let them happen and let them flow. All right. Oh, in that funny. flow state that we all aspire to. Yes. So uh, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about going from the NHL to this coaching and how you continually to learn. And it seems like you've had some struggles um, and maybe you, you found, and I'm curious if you have found that like, just because you played in the NHL, NCAA, a high level hockey, that it doesn't exactly mean you're a good coach. Like you, you need to put in the work and there's a lot of things that go into coaching that you just flat out didn't see or didn't think of. Um, and I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I mean, if you, if you play in the NHL and you have a kid that wants to play hockey, you do not have a choice. You have to coach. And I didn't want to embarrass myself. Uh, so, I mean, I did all the certification classes. And what, where I really got lucky is the, the first two groups my, my uh, oldest was associated with uh, had coaches that were just amazing mentors uh, to me. Uh, this, this Mike coach, you know, the very beginning uh, he just came right up to me and he said, Lance, I know you played in the NHL. Uh, he said, I've never played past, you know, like peewees. He says, but I own this age group. I can't go anywhere past this age group, but this age group, I'm, I'm great. And I'd love to share what I've learned. Um, and he did, his name is Dave Rotman. Um, another guy was, uh, Mark Kowalski. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I was lucky. And then that happened. Uh, I, I, I learned how to be uh, just in the moment when you're on the ice, which you have to be with four and five-year-olds because uh, you have to be so energetic. And then just the enthusiasm. Uh, so I guess that, that just kind of uh, fanned the learning fl flame because now you're doing it for others. And I, I started because I didn't want to embarrass myself. I ended with trying to help others. And so that's what I just did. But the, the challenge back then was there wasn't uh, YouTube yet, you know, like it is today, there was an Instagram. So your, your places to learn were uh, books and DVDs, um, you know, movies, if you went to seminars and stuff, in-person meetings. Uh, so it was a little more, uh, took a little more time to, to learn. But yeah, I just really became a student of the game. Um, and I, I hope that if people would think of me, uh, you know, as a coach that 
you know, they know that I, I came prepared every time and uh, with the best intentions uh, with their long-term development in mind. Talking about videos and DVDs, uh, I was a big Sean Skinner guy growing up. So I can talk on that, that subject all, all day long. I remember going to the rink in the old minivan and the old DVD players, which I, I don't even think they make DVD players anymore. Those are like old relics. <laughs> But I remember watching those and just getting so passionate about um, going to the rink and playing. And it, it was it, not now there's a lot of resources. Obviously, we're, we're trying to do good stuff with the podcast newsletter. And, and even I'm on Twitter uh, rambling way more than I probably should be. But it's amazing how, how the times have changed. And I'm curious, uh, and it might be a little far fetched from your memory, but what was that like going from? being an NHL player, like, did you have that moment where like, yeah, I, I've been here before. I know my way around a rink or did you start very humble in your background? Like I'm an idiot when it comes to coaching because I've, I've come across both. Um, and it's very interesting to see how different people approach the situation. No, I, I was scared much like when I played in the NHL, <laughs> I was scared every, every game, every practice, uh, uh, yeah, no, that that's what really fueled me, and also just to not embarrass myself. Uh, but once once you start understanding, um, you know, kind of the process, your process of acquiring information, and then I think that I was pretty good at uh, practice planning uh, over time, where. Uh, we optimized the ice pretty good. And then, you know, I expected a lot out of my assistant coaches. They weren't just cone pushers. They, they were given something to specialize in for the season. And that's what their focus was uh, to bring to the kids week after week. So, um, you know, I, again, I, I put in, I put a lot of time in uh, like a lot of other people, but uh you know, it was others that helped me along the way uh, early on that, that really kind of got me pushed in the right direction uh, to where at one point it was a shove that is like, go, you know, you're, you're different now where, you know, I, I don't do much now. <laughs> it's high, you know, I, I, in my space here, Greg, I've created a space where people come here they pay me money and I know more than everyone that ever comes there. Uh, so why would I want to be in that space and to be able, and they want to know what I know. So I just got to tell them and show them. And then they're here for an hour and then the next group. So if the, the best, the lessons that I do that are the most impactful for me now are the first lesson when I get in front of a kid, because um, I can change their trajectory. Um, and that's impactful. So I wouldn't have to go on vacation because, you know, I'm in paradise right here most days. That's awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, I continue to go down the coaching path just a little bit more here of maybe some coaches, um, like Dave and like Jack that you, you, you enjoyed, but maybe there were some anti-mentors out there. So maybe some coaches that you're like, I'm never going to do anything like this guy. Uh, oh yeah. You know, that be at the NHL and I'll just, I'll give you one example and it'd be Mike Keenan. <laughs> I can expand on it. Uh, he was very challenging, you know? Um, and I, I learned so much from him that I would never ever introduce or bring to someone else. Uh, didn't understand his coaching style. I don't know how a person lives like that, uh, knowing intentionally how he's making people feel. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't want to be like that guy. I, I have some regrets coaching more so where, you know, not giving some players an opportunity and giving others more of an opportunity. But that was a, you know, a short-lived deal. I learned from it, and that didn't happen again. Um, so, yeah, it's a journey. And, you know, the one thing about it is much like getting good 
we're going to make a ton of mistakes. We're going to fall a lot. And the same thing happens when you get to a coach, you know, you're going to bring a drill to practice and it's going to suck. <laughs> you got to keep on bringing the drills, you know, to the practice and, you know, showing the kids that you're putting in the work and, you know, you love them. And that's your focus is to help them get as good as they can. Everyone is an example, uh, whether it be good or bad. And, and I think that's that's a great message for all players because maybe you're not going to love every coach you play for. You won't always agree with with every coach or every person you come across uh, in life. So that's, that's a great point. So um, just kind of start, starting to wrap this up a little bit. I'm curious of maybe some epiphanies you've had during your journey here. So obviously you're, you're a lifelong learner. Um, and like I said, I want to pack as much value into this as, as possible. You know, what are some of those epiphanies or some big things that, that you've come across that you're like, this is really powerful. This is really cool. Um, you know, for, from what I specialize in, uh, I mentioned the one that I know that if a kid hasn't done much, uh, off ice stick skills training, uh, other than just taking force, you know, a pile of pucks away from the net that in roughly three months, I can get them to a much higher level. Um, and I guess for me, it's uh, for a lot of parents, uh, you know, I, when you when you when you go into something to specialize, uh you know, there, there's a point in time, if you're around it enough that you'll get to a point where you kind of know that you've gained some knowledge that most can't get unless they put in the same amount of hours and not many people are willing to do that. Uh, so I now can confidently say that in an off-ice environment regarding stick skills, uh, I'm, I'm a master coach. Um, and, you know, that's not bragging. That's just, that's an earned, earned feeling. So, uh, you know, I want to share that with people because, you know, when they come over, parents tell me all the time, just they can't believe how technical uh, everything is. And I just tell them, I said, yeah, it's technical to, to most people, but it's not to me. You know, I, I see things now that I didn't even see six months ago. Um, and it's cool. And, you know, much like a lot of these, what, uh, I, there's one movie where, you know, the, it was a baseball movie and the guy heard the pitch. He didn't see it. And he looks up and said, Ooh, that was a good one. Uh, you know, I can, I can listen to a kid shoot, not have to see him. And I can, you know, I know if they are shooting correctly or they're not. Um, but there's never a quick fix for anything. And, um, you know, all of those little messages, I try to, you know, pass on to others because, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that is, is hard to find the answers. And even if you find the answers, you still need someone to help teach it to you. Absolutely. Like you can teach yourself to a point, but at some point, you know, the mentor knows the path a little bit better or has that key piece of information. Uh, I think that's, that's super true is finding a good mentor in some shape or form to help you uh, along the path. And, and you mentioned it earlier with, with your sons, finding the right people to get them where they need to be. And that's so, so powerful. And I, I, I'm trying to remember the movie, what it was. I'm trying, I think it was like Kingpin or something like that. And there was a, it was a bowling movie. And I remember one of the scenes, this guy's like, Hey, that was a, some, some kind of shot. And he's like, Oh yeah, I heard it. Like I knew that that was a split and totally <laughs> like, something like that. Like yeah, quite something. So it, it's amazing where you get to as, as you coach. And I'm curious. I mean, you're, you're clearly experienced your master coach in this, you know, what's something in the last six months that you learned? Uh, me, I, uh, or that piece that you really... just were talking about where you, you learned something new or now you're looking at something completely different. No, well, I uh, I gave up drinking for 111 days, so I didn't know that I had that. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, what it is. You know, I'm getting, I'm trying to get players to, you know, 
commit to doing something for 30 days, like not like a few times in 30 days, but put a little time in every day for 30 days. And I, you know, I, I, I did that, but in, in doing so, I also accomplished uh, in that same time period, uh, some other things, some film stuff, uh, you know, learning about these podcasts, uh, how to, how to produce it and distribute it and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I did a lot of heavy lifting last winter and uh, uh, spring with uh, my online hockey training program and uh, our, our new kind of uh, website and messaging. So I emptied the tank there. So now I'm kind of just uh, taking a break and now I'm, uh, you know, going to focus more on hearing other people's stories uh, as I'm starting a podcast uh, in uh, a few weeks in the new year. Exciting times, I got to say. It was for, for me when I started and upgrading to a new mic and all that fun stuff. So it, it's quite fun, uh, the journey and the people you're talking with. So I'm excited, excited for that to, to come out and eventually uh, hopefully be on there as a guest as well. Uh, there's just not enough good quality content out there for, for people to find on, on this stuff. Well, thank you very much. I've uh, enjoyed uh, speaking with you and happy holidays. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. So before we let you go, though, we'd like to remind you to please like our podcast, subscribe to it, give us a follow uh, and share this with all the hockey people in your life. We really appreciate uh, growing this community, this podcast. Um, remember, we also have a newsletter, the Hockey IQ newsletter as well. Really excited to continue to grow this. So please help us grow this further by liking, subscribing, following, and sharing uh, with everyone. So appreciate you all. Take care. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, Hockey'sArsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch a Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.